Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Monk and the only monk podcast that spends all the time that most people would funkin monkin. I'm one of your co-host, Jake Christie, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? It's been a really nice vacation, um, but we're ready to get back to it. How are you? I'm doing well, and what you call a vacation, I call on my computer not working. Computer's still not working. Uh, as I informed Andre, I'm using my mother's computer because she was nice enough to uh, loan it to me. Because I've been using my work computer for most things, but uh, my work computer is a Windows, so it doesn't have a built-in audio editor. And also, like, you know, it's. I think it's okay. I, I don't think that I'm going to raise any eyebrows if I use my work computer to, like, you know, watch basketball games on ESPN.com. But I think if I start, like, downloading Zoom and downloading, like, a bunch of audio stuff, that probably uh, would raise some eyebrows. Well, let's not get you in trouble. Let's give them a real reason to... Exactly. Uh, to- use this exactly so anyway we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about mr monk and the missing granny um the episode tells you everything you need to know a granny goes missing andre what do you think about the episode um one of my least favorites i agree okay i'm glad we're on the same page here it, it, it doesn't yeah. work on a lot of levels it doesn't it has a really cringy monk, monk scene uh no one actually got murdered um, it wasn't super clever. It was, uh, yeah, it was like a cool co-star, but aside from that, um, yeah, didn't really do it for me. Yeah, really, this episode in my mind is just, there's two things I think about when I think about this episode. It's the, it's the one where Rachel Dratch guest stars, uh-huh. and then I think just because it's, you know, it's, it is funny. I think about the, the woman talking about where she wanted to stab the guy in his particulars. Those are the two things that I think about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, not a very memorable one. Not a lot happens. I think it's just the main, the main takeaway from this episode. It's like uh, it's another monk is looking to possibly, uh, you know, get reinstated. Yeah. So it's been a while since we had one of those. And I think uh, it works better because I think that there was too much of that early on. And I think it works better when it's not every week is monk getting reinstated. You know what I mean? When it feels yeah, yeah. like it's a unique opportunity for him to get reinstated. Um, but let's get into the episode. Start off with a granny. I forget her actual name. I'm not going to look it up. She's granny. Uh, yeah, same. She's, um, she's reading the TV guide while she strokes a cat. Um, and uh, the thing, the, there's a couple things you get from this. One, that, you know, she is, you know, just uh, old, innocent granny. But also she mentions that she doesn't know how old the cat is. And then that if no one comes to pick it up in a week, then she's going to adopt it. So that's, you, just, you know that it was a, a stray cat. So that's important for later. Yeah, and then you also, like, find out, or, it's that whole thing where I just never understood why women thought George Clooney is, like, so, so attractive. I, you know what I think it is? I, I, okay, because I think he's very attractive. As a straight man, I think he's, I get it. I really do. Um, I think that it is, his voice is, I think, a big thing with it, because he has such a smooth voice, but it's like, it's all the way down here in his throat. Um and I don't know, I, I, I get it. I, I, I really don't... Uh, but anyway, George Clooney is very handsome. Um, and so is Brad Pitt, which means that the first couple scenes in Ocean's Eleven might be the most overloaded handsome in any movie ever. Um, I've never seen that movie. Oh, my God. Oh, my I've God. Only seen, Ocean... I've only seen Ocean's Twelve, I think. Ocean's Twelve is, in my opinion... A lot of people like Ocean's Twelve because it's, like, different. It's probably my least favorite. Because um, Ocean's Thirteen has Matt Damon with the funny nose. Um, and Ellen Barkin, which famously was the movie that Shaq fell in love with Ellen Barkin. Um, what? This is, just, this is a pure tangent, but one of my favorite videos of all time is a, it's TMZ. 
it's um this is why Shaq is the best guy ever because TMZ just walks up to Shaq because he's like Shaq just wearing you know like a uh I'm trying to think of a word other than wife beater. I forget what the actual term is. It's funny because wife beater is he's wearing a tank top, but it's not a tank top. It's that. It's like it's not a real tank top. Because anyway, so Shaq is Shaq's wearing that, and a guy comes up and is like, "Yo, Shaquille O'Neal," and Shaq immediately stops like, "Oh, how's it going, man?" Like he doesn't know this guy. It's like, so Shaq, uh, what are you watching these days? Like, oh man, I just I just finished Animal Kingdom. You know, I really love I love Alan Barkin, big fan. Uh, I got rewatch Narcos. But, uh, man, I really just love Animal Kingdom. It's like, oh, do you, you love Alan Barkin? Yeah, I've loved Alan Barkin since Ocean's 11. I mean, Ocean's 13. Alan Barkin, I love you. Will you marry me? <laughs> really? I've never seen that. I mean, it's not that popular of a clip. It's just a thing that is lodged in my head. Because <laughs> I just... And I really respect Shaq, though, because a lot of people would have gotten the wrong Ocean's movie. But it's... Anyway, Ocean's 11, amazing movie. One of my favorite... Honestly, probably a top 20 favorite movie of all time for me. But uh, the other two are pretty good, too. But anyway... George Clooney's very handsome is the, the thesis of this. We're really yeah. going off the rails. Uh, I did just do my fantasy draft, and I did uh, drink during it. Um, but this isn't Mr. Monk Gets Drunk Wet yet, because that, you know. That if we're gonna have, you know how, like, uh, whenever they do, like, a, whenever there's, like, a big stunt jump, they would show, like, there's the ambulance standing by? That's going to be me yeah. when Mr. Monk Gets Drunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ambulance standing I, I, by. I'm ready for that. And, like, like we discussed earlier, we're definitely mm-hmm. going to get drunk for that. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, people break into this granny's house, and they kidnap her. But they don't just kidnap her. Importantly, they pick her up by the chair she's sitting on, and they drag her out. Yeah. Which is a funny visual, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but we find out later that there's a very specific reason for that. And Rachel Dratch, her granddaughter, Julia, happens to be jogging down the street at the time. Now... Did you realize, I forget, from like the, from the thumbnail or whatever, did you realize that Rachel Dratch was in this episode, or were you surprised when you were watching it? No, I knew she was going to be in it. It definitely is weird that she's in it. She's not bad, but um, it's also a thing that, like, Rachel Dratch at this time could, if you saw her, you, you'd be like, she's either 21 or 45. <laughs> like, it's yeah. really, it's like, it's like, because like, she's a law student, it's like, does she look like a law student? And, like, I honestly don't know, but... No, that's true, but, like, I, I mean, yes, of course not. I, my only thing with Rachel Dratch is I only ever knew her from, uh, you know, SNL, but mm-hmm. I never watched SNL. Mm-hmm. So I only really can remember, because obviously I was a teen, uh, you know, I was a horny teenager at some point. Uh, so the only thing I remember her was when she played Harry Potter in the skit with Lindsay Lohan and Lindsay uh. Lohan showing off, like, her boobs and all that shit. Yeah, that's a classic. I mean, Rachel Dratch was a very good SNL cast member. Unfortunately... She has a thing that some SNL cast members have where, like, she just doesn't look like people that are in movies. Like, there's just no... You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, she's a very character actor kind of... Yeah, uh, and there's just not... And I I think that... I wouldn't be surprised if she has a huge run of movies now that she's, like, 50. Because, like, she definitely has, like, an energy that I I can imagine her having, like, a really good older character actress run. But there's really... You really can't do... Like, for example, you know... I mean, I know you hate 30 Rock because you mentioned earlier because you don't like the theme song. But... She actually was originally supposed to play the role of Jenna in the... She was in the original 30 Rock pilot. She played the role that Jane Krakowski ended up playing. Um, but when they reshot it, they uh, replaced her, which I think was needed because it just doesn't work. Like, she, you know, you, you need someone who's like a diva who, like, you could believe thinks that she's the best thing in the world. Anyway, my point is I think Rachel Dratch is really talented. It's just like if I was a casting director, I would have no idea what to do with her. Yeah. Anyway. Agreed. 
So she's like, what the hell's going on? Why is my granny getting kidnapped? And then this van drives away. And you gotta wonder, how does she not catch the license plate? That's the first thing I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, you know, like, that's my thing with a lot of these shows, but, uh, I, I don't get too caught in the weeds, you know, we, we need to pad the, the runtime. I understand, but I, yeah. you know, I, uh, this is my, like, sixth time watching this episode, so I'm in, I'm fully in the weeds. Yeah. I'm so in the weeds, you could basically, uh, call me Mary Louise Parker. Anyway. <laughs> got to the crime scene. I really should have also said something more, I should have said, like, Kevin Nealon or someone else who, like, is not the star of Weeds, that would have been more funny. Um, yeah, I thought you I were going to say, like, Willie Nelson. Uh, that's true. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Kwatsu, the, the house is now a crime scene, um, and uh, there's a graffiti on the wall that shows, like, a lightning bolt. Yeah. And so they think it's the lightning brigade, which... Uh, was that a se- real thing? No, I don't think so. But also, I was going to say, doesn't that sound like the most made-up shit? <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. Um, but I had to think about it because, I mean... Apparently, there were, like, some anti-war unit, like, back in the 70s or the 60s or... Uh, yeah. Vietnam, right, era? Yeah, Vietnam, yeah. Uh, so, I, I wouldn't put it past there to be, like, multiple incarnations of, mm-hmm. you know, these political parties. So, you know... Sure. No, no, no. I, I just think that the Lightning Breed sounds like if you had to make up... A, it, it sounds like the... Uh, you know, like, royalty-free music, how all royalty-free music sounds a little bit like real music, but not really... It, yeah. Lightning Brigade is the royalty-free music version of an actual group. <laughs> um, yes. But anyway, so they're 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 gonna call the house at like four o'clock, and um, so that you know they're, they, the technicians are there setting up a trace, um, and uh, Julie, who is uh, Richard Drax's character, is basically like, "I'll unstop my like, you have to find my granny. If you, I'm a law student. I mean, excuse me, I'm a lawyer." Dude, if you don't, I could sue you for yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Or, and then why isn't the FBI here? And you learn turn out she's a law student, not actually a lawyer. Yeah, she, yeah. because first she claims to be a lawyer, and then, yeah, it's very she's very green. Um, she's not a very good lawyer, which, I mean, eventually later you see, like, some of the rest of her classmates. Like, this must be, like, the worst law school of all time. Yeah, and it's also just, it's noted that, like, one of her professors is, like, a famous, accomplished author. And it's like, really, at that law school? I... Truth be told, just from, like, my random jargon I've learned from TV shows and doing mock trial in high school, I swear to God, I have more knowledge of the law than she does. Um, I also thought I also thought that at some point that guy, I guess Eugene Embry is his mm-hmm. name, I thought he was going to be a part of the episode in some reason, because they kept bringing up his name, and yeah. that was a... No, he's not, which is weird. It's kind of weird. That is a weird detail. Um, but anyway, she decides that since she doesn't feel like the cops are doing enough, she's going to bring in the monk. Yes. Because he's got a heavy rep in the Bay Area, and apparently everywhere else. Yeah, he's heavy in the Bay. Um, so, we then cut to Monk is couponing. And, uh, can you describe this scene for me? Well, yeah, so he's, I mean, you knew it was going to go awry. Uh, you knew he was going to get interrupted. But, uh, yeah, he's just basically, he's very focused on cutting the margins as you know symmetrically as he can which i am like the same way when i would mm-hmm. actually coupon a very short period of my life uh let's call it the college years uh so i can relate but yeah i can't imagine him ever being satisfied with those margins yeah it's uh not great but he ends up screwing up and he said there's a knock on the door and he says come in thinking it's sharona but it's julie and Julie basically uh, wants him to help and find her grandma. 
Um, there's a bit where she's crying into a tissue, and then Monk grabs a plastic baggie and puts yeah, it inside. Yeah, which, which you know what? I'm I'm even sad. You know, that's a lot for him to do. Even I was like pretty impressed. Uh, yeah, I think it's enough. So that's not that bad. Like it's a slight kind of weird thing to do, but like I, I, it's not the weirdest thing. If I were to be crying and snotting into a tissue. Obviously, the, what, what the preferred thing to do would be to go into the bathroom, grab the bathroom garbage, and have it thrown in there, right? But yep. it's not weird that he doesn't want her to, like, just put it down on the table. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, kind of yeah. it gross. But anyway, yeah, she, she, she can't pay Monk. But what can she give him? And no, this is not the setup for pornography. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was getting scary for a second. Um, yeah, no, she offers to help him out with his reinstatement. Um, because apparently she had read an article or something about him, so clearly they went into depths uh, with his story. So she had to have known that he mm-hmm. wasn't like on now, the force. Also, it isn't worth noting that she that he says that he can't take cases for free anymore. His assistant tells him, which reminds me a lot of, and this is a great tangent because I think this is one of my favorite details about my hometown in Florida, Punta Gorda, Florida. Shouts to the nine four one. Well, the nine four one is a lot more than just Punta Gorda. So never mind. But there's a. He actually is in two towns, Pontecourt and Port Charlotte. This guy named Gene Gorman has a used car lot. And his slogan, and this is not just his slogan, this is written out on his building in, like, block letters. So he probably spent thousands of dollars to get this written out in, like, really fancy letters, which his slogan is, and this is even bigger than the name of his business, is, I'd give him away, but my wife won't let me. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, come on. That, like, that is... If you drive past this place, you will rather than the actual name of the business, the thing you will see is I'd give that's them true. away, but my wife that's won't. True. What do you mean that's yeah, true? No, you that's... haven't seen it. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm telling you, it's already got my interest a lot more oh. than like his actual name would. Yeah, but anyway, so um, that's what Monk's situation is like: is that he'd give his work away, but Sharona won't let him. Um, but yeah, so apparently she has a professor named Eugene Emery who has like uh, a way of getting him back on the force. Some um, sort of loophole. Yeah. Monk apparently just read his book, which is about tort reform, which I don't know a ton about tort reform, but based on what Monk describes it as, I think that that's actually pretty terrible. What it is, I believe, is that there's a limit on damages and that plaintiffs will have to cover the cost for any lawsuits, which I understand that there's way too many frivolous lawsuits, but I also feel like at the same time, it's not exactly like company like companies that you know like pollute the air and hurt people are actually really getting held to account so i don't know if i agree with that necessarily um yeah what are your opinion on tort reform oh my god no i was just like please just get over this i I don't i thinking about law shit just makes my head hurt really i love law shit um i don't know i I like it to a certain degree oh really i like i've loved the weeds of it i don't know i just uh um yeah i definitely uh definitely uh enjoyed my time in mock trial in high school which i bring up a lot because it was you know it was the thing i did you know some people did yearbook some people did football i sat around and i discussed the same case for six months um because that's thing they don't tell you is you do the same case the entire time anyway um so anyway you get the idea she's a terrible student because she hasn't read the book yet which like i understand but it's also like it was the test was in a week and i can tell you in college i would have not read a book a week out of the test there's zero percent i would not have read it until the night before Okay, well, yeah, she's got a little more diligence than Mr. Christie. Which, yeah, I mean, but I, oh, so you you are the best student in the world, Andre Barrow? Okay. No, but uh, I'm not on trial here. That's true. Um, no pun intended. Uh, permission to treat the witnesses hostile? Okay. Well, no, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm not going to get that granted. Um, 
God, I, shouts to hostile witnesses. One of the best terms in the world. Even though it's in TV and movies, it's almost always used incorrectly, but that's not here or there. Um, there's well, there's an episode of Monk where it's all in a courtroom, so we can go into the de- all my uh, law ephemera, that episode. Um, anyway, uh, so they go back to... Uh, oh, a detail we forgot to mention the first time they're at Julie's grandma's house is that Disher is sneezing like a motherfucker. Yeah, he is. He's having a tough time. He's a really bad, uh, really bad screen sneezer too. Nah, mm-hmm. that's most convincing. No, now screen sneezing is very hard. I'm not gonna, you know. I think that, I think screen sneezing is a lot like acting drunk on screen, where the key to acting drunk on screen. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Is to um, act as try as hard as you can to act like you're not drunk. Um. Uh. Wait, oh, there's a new development. What is that? Is that the you were drink, were drinking the same flavor? As uh, it strawberry? Yeah. So I was drinking yeah. a Bud Light Seltzer strawberry, and Andre comes, pulls out. And, I mean, this is the thing. This is the synergy that we have in this podcast. But anyway, um, yeah, the key to acting drunk on screen is to because when you're actually drunk in real life, what you want to do at all times when you're interacting with other people is be is, sober. Exactly. And so with sneezing, I feel like it's similar, where you want to try your hardest not to sneeze. Anyway, Disher is very allergic to cats. Now. How did that make you feel as a cat lover? Um, well, that, that's the thing. It's like I have a partial uh, aller- allergy to cats. Uh, specifically, I can't really be around wet cat fur. Mm. Um, that makes me like super allergic. Um, but for a point in time, I was like borderline allergic to cats. So I didn't have one like in my household. And then one day, one was like, given mm-hmm. to me and my family. And it kind of just went from there. But when, when, when it is a thing and, like, it's, like, a really furry cat, it's hell. It's fucking hell. So, you know, I yeah. respect to dish. My mother is very allergic to cats, and my aunt at one point had four cats. So, uh, times at their house were a lot of fun for her. Anyway, um, Sharona, after hearing this information, says, remind me to buy a cat. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're playing up this whole Disher thing again. I mean, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but then Julie comes out with some pastries because she stress bakes, um, which is a thing, as you can tell by everyone who learned how to bake banana bread in quarantine. People like to bake when they're stressed. Have you baked anything? No, I have not. I've cooked a lot, but um, I have not baked anything. Um, I haven't either. I've made like stuff in slow cookers, but that's the extent of it. By the way, well, um, I love cooking. But I, I'm baking out some. By the way, yeah, yeah. I just want to throw something out to sure. um, to anybody that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are do we are recording this podcast in duress in Southern California. It's like blazing hot this whole weekend. How is it in Florida? Uh, it's hot, but not out of the ordinary hot. It's like you know the heat index is like a hundred probably this weekend. Dude, it was one fourteen at my parents' house. Yeah, I know. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, Green New Deal. Anyway, um, Wait, real quick, real quick, sure. before we get back to this, okay, okay. Um, is there is there like any like Mr. Monk and the Heat Wave or anything like that? No, I don't think so. Um, or weather related stuff. Weather related stuff, Mr. Monk and uh, no, I don't think so. Um, uh, yeah, I think that when I think of Monk being hot, I think of Mr. Monk goes to Mexico. But anyway, um, yeah. All right, let's get back. I mean, think about San Francisco. San Francisco famously is always between like eighty degrees. And like forty degrees, no matter what time of year, like it never leaves That's that. True. <laughs> um, Dream weather. Yeah. So, Strona has one of the pastries and like, oh, why don't you open a bakery? And of course, you know, 
uh, Julie's like, you know, when my parents it's... died, they I took their life savings. I mean, their life insurance to go to law school because that's what they wanted. And it's like, that sucks. Like, I mean, this might be yeah. the white. This might be the middle class white kid in me talking, but it's like. Ah, you know, you know, that's kind of weird. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of parents prescribing their kids do a specific thing, especially when it's law school, which costs a lot of money. Like, it's one thing if it's like, you know, get a degree as an anesthesiologist and then, like, you know, do whatever you want from there. But like, being a lawyer is a big undertaking. Yeah, it's a lot of, it's a big undertaking, and like, it's not the most, it's not necessarily the most lucrative position. Like, you could be like a public defender and be making like pennies. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the two when I did mock trial in high school, uh, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I mean, actually, I don't hate, but I fucking love it. But the two, the, the people we deal because we dealt with three assistant states attorneys at, uh, like, as like to coach us, and like I can tell you that they were not living large. They were not uh, driving yeah, no. Lexuses. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, like I, I, although I imagine she probably, I don't think that she'd be a trial attorney based on you know her lack of proficiency with the law also she probably wouldn't pass the bar so i don't even know why we're uh going on about it but anyway so she eats she's also eating some of the pastries and then there's the call and when i say the call i'm not referring to the halle berry movie or the very underrated backstreet boy song um a call comes in and uh she picks it up and immediately there's trouble what is wrong what, what what's monk in a fit about um He's uh, wait, hold on a second. She's on the wait, phone. Wait, oh, hours. oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, yeah. So while she's on the phone, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's yeah. He so he's like motioning to her, like it looks like he's like, you know, rubbing something off her face because mm-hmm. she had one of the pastries, so she had like some sugar left on her face, <laughs> and that basically gets her to like give up the charade that she's home alone so yeah because like, she's like what do you now. do like what do you mean is like you're not alone you're you said you'd be alone because they're using a voice yeah. disguiser but also their demand and then they call back and their demand is they point out that there is a massive homeless population in the mission right near a bunch of millionaires which you know what that is true i'm glad so i'm glad someone's saying something about it it is legitimately a problem and yes. the millionaires in that neighborhood genuinely should be ashamed. Um, yeah. But their solution to that is, of course, not, you know, seize the means of production or redistribute wealth. It's give turkey dinners to everyone in the mission, which is not bad. Like, that's not, you know, terrible. But um, what's crazier about it is that Monk somehow, like, says that it's going to be only 500 bucks, which, like, uh, there's a lot more homeless people than that, my friend. Sure, but one, two things. One, this is 2003, so it might not have been as bad. And also, you're forgetting that this might be, like, Aramark prison food turkey. So, like, you, you know. Fair enough. Uh, but also, the thing I noted here is that Monk keeps working in this case as if as if he didn't just completely screw it up. Because if he didn't do that, if he didn't make her hang up, oh, yeah. they would have caught them. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's so stupid. Like That's, that's very true, yeah. He completely screwed up the case. <sighs> yeah, no, it's a yeah, not the best, not the best uh, moment from Adrian Monk, that's for sure. No, neither is when they're at the homeless shelter and they're serving the meals, which is a nice thing to do. You know, if you have the opportunity to serve meals to the homeless in your community. Um, yeah. And uh, Mayor Garcetti, if you're listening, I know you love this podcast. Uh, fucking do something about the homeless population, please, in Los Angeles. Um, Thank you. 
uh, but yeah so basically this crew like shithead. The, the, yeah so like when they're on the phone the 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 crew like you know the people that are responsible are basically you know giving like this whole like occupy wall street kind yeah, of yeah they're like, pretending deal. to be the lightning brigade yeah, 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 but it's like a lot. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's something we're living through right now, like a lot more again. Um, but it just was like interesting to me that that this was like you know I think that was like bitched about back then too. I mean, yeah, always. I mean, well, the thing is, I actually think it's notable that this isn't a thing that's bitched back then because this is the demands of what is perce- pretending to be a radical group. So like, whereas I think complaining about the homeless and saying that we need to do something about them is now a pretty mainstream position. That was what someone who was posing as a group of radicals thought was radical to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. In any okay. event, they're okay. at the homeless shelter, and they decide that they can't really get the inside scoop on what's going on as they're just standing around. They can't blend in. So they decide that they're going to serve meals, um, which sh- sh- some of the stuff that Shona agrees to have Monk do is just – it's so stupid. Like, does she not know her boss? Yeah, but to his credit, like, he does handle it kind of, like, he is pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then they serve some people, and then Randy comes in, dressed as a homeless woman, in one of the dumbest disguises. Was he, was he supposed to be a woman? Yes, he was. He, he looked like Sebastian Bach or something. He did, which is, of course, makes sense, because Sebastian Bach was part of... Poison? No! He was... Uh, he, a skid row! Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. Fuck, I didn't even realize that. I didn't... <laughs> See, that's why I'm here. I do the connections, man. That's the whole... That's just my whole job. Um, that was the lob. Yeah, it was a lob. And then you fucking, like, JaVale yeah. McGee'd it. You know, anyway. Yeah. So, but that's not the funny part here. And when I say funny, I mean that, relatively speaking. That um, there's one guy who doesn't want gravy on his turkey. And Monk really wants to give him gravy. Because he needs everyone to have gravy. Now, yeah, he needs everyone to have gravy, but I love that it's also played by the guy who played Carl in the uh, what is it, Billy Madison? I the guy is? who does the I didn't recognize yeah, it. Yeah, the guy who does like the the great uh, what's the other guy's name? The famous dude that's in that the the evil guy. Oh, Bradley Whitford. Yeah, where he based the impression of his laughter, like the weasel laugh. I, I mean, that's a great catch by you. I gotta check that. Give me a second. Uh, I guarantee it's fucking him, man. Wait, what's his name? What's his character's name? And uh. Billy Carl. 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 I think. Give me a second. Um, his Carl looks like I'm Larry Hankin, who yes he was bearded man. I'm <laughs> monk. Wow. Wow. Andre Barrera from downtown. Yeah, I saw him. Like, oh shit, that's the guy from Billy Madison. And my girlfriend's <laughs> like, who? And I'm like, uh, never mind. That's unbelievable. Okay, so yes. yeah. And, but anyway, and then there, there's something I like a lot, though, which I think the original bit where he's at the counter is, like, kind of tedious. But then I like when uh, Monk approaches him, late, like, in a, uh, when he's eating with the gravy and is like, you said you, here's your gravy you asked for. It's like, no, I didn't. It's like, okay, how about this? You take the gravy and? <laughs> like, yeah, and that's it. That's the deal. There's no no other thing. Um, yeah, no, that was great. Um, but, you know, shame on him. Uh, I, sorry, I'm not trying to cast aspersions on any homeless people, but, like, you're going to get mashed potatoes and no gravy. I, yeah. I, I don't want gravy to Gravy is, like, that's the that. reason you have mashed potatoes. I, yeah. That's actually not true. There's plenty of things you have mashed potatoes that are not gravy. For example, a little about butter and sour cream. Never hurt anyone. Um, but, anyway, that's not the main important thing that happens here. Because who walks through those doors but Granny herself? She's been returned. 
Hallelujah. Yeah, like a couple a couple blocks away from there, right? Yes. Funny how that worked out. Well, no, they did that on purpose because they didn't want to be too close where the cops would catch them, but they wanted to be close enough where she would know where to go. Okay, fair enough. All right. So they, we then cut to the police station and, uh, you know, they're uh, – Stalinar is basically like – basically saying like no one cares anymore really. Like this case is not that important um, because she's been returned. She was pe- treated right that they both gave her as much pizza as she wanted, and importantly, there was opera playing all the time. Yeah, yeah, I know. So they're like, yeah, that that seemed to be the takeaway from all that. She hadn't been mistreated anyway, which you know what? Good, that's great. She's an old woman, doesn't need that kind of treatment. No, she doesn't. Um, but so like at that same time, right? Or is there anything else? Yeah, but they all because they also brought in the leader of the Lightning Brigade, Rob Abrash. Yeah, I think his name. Yeah. Yeah, the guy from back in the day who, I'm sure you you were about to get to it, right? What? What about him? Is that he's played by Tony Shalhoub's brother? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah, that's Tony Shalhoub's real-life brother. brother. Mike, Michael, Sh- no, was it Mike Shalhoub? Michael Shalhoub. Yeah, Mike Shalhoub. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I love it. Anthony Shalhoub, Michael Shalhoub. He, is he Italian? He's got to be Italian. No, Tony Shalhoub's actually Lebanese. 100% Lebanese? I believe so. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, so that was nice to see. And uh, and I think he even mentioned something like, you look familiar to me, which was like a nice mm-hmm. little, ha yeah. I get yeah, it. Yeah, you know, great stuff. You got, you always got to appreciate it. You know, it's uh, it's always kind of weird when brothers are in the same thing and they don't play siblings. Um, yes. Technically, they don't look too similar. Um, but there's sometimes, oh, yeah. there's sometimes where you see it where it's like this, these people just look way too similar. Like, I think that that's, even though I, I, this is a movie that I think I li- I really actually don't like that much, even though it's a very well-received movie, I think that that really hurts the Royal Tenenbaums, because it's like, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson are clearly brothers. Like, what are they, what the fuck are you trying to say? That, like, Ben Stiller's supposed to be Owen Wilson, I mean, Luke Wilson's brother, but Owen Wilson isn't? Okay. Like, that's ridiculous. That's true. That's very true. Um, but anyway, uh, the most on-brand thing in the world about Jay Christie is that his favorite Wes Anderson movie is Rushmore, but that's not here or there. Um, so... No, it's not. If it were Bottle Rocket, that would be more... That's, no, because I don't feel like I'm that indie. I think it's that Rushmore is his most... I would say it's probably his like, most straightforward comedy movie. Like, it's pretty... Um, I mean, I, I think that they're very... It's actually funny, because I really... That's just, true, yeah. It's also, I yeah. also like Grand Budapest a lot, but I also think that... I actually am just not a huge fan of his overall. Like, I like his movies, but in terms of other directors. But I also think that one of the best lines they've ever written in a movie is... Uh, no, so you didn't decide not to dress up? Oh, no, these uh, these are my OR scrubs. Oh, are they? Anyway, um, great line from yeah. Wes Anderson's Rushmore. Anyway, uh, Stalmar asks Monk if he wants to sit in because he hears that he is going to be reinstated. And it's worth repeating, as I mentioned, every time this came up early in the show, he should not be reinstated. Monk is not prepared to be reinstated. Yeah, and Stoudemire shouldn't be, like, you know, egging him on either. Because it's like, Monk, you, your need to, for someone to clean their face just fucked up a call tracing yesterday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're, yeah. you're not ready to be understated. Yeah, no, he's, he's very much where he needs to be right now, I think. Um, and Disher wants to go one with him because he wants, he wants to do good cop, bad cop, worst cop. Which is one of the funniest concepts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fisher putting on a comedy ma- masterclass yet again. Love it. I mean, yeah, Fisher. He, you know, as problematic as he can be, and he can be very problematic. Uh, he, um, he's got, got some good comedy. But anyway, the uh, the, the interrogation. 
Monk uh, comes in. You know, Stoudemire's asking him questions, and Rob is basically like, the only radical thing I do is flip off drivers in SUVs. Because he apparently now teaches graduate English and screenwriting, because of course he does. Um, <sighs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't really don't appreciate that side when you mentioned screenwriting. When I mentioned screenwriting classes, but that's not here or there. Um, so Monk comes in hot and is like, "I recognize you. Did I see you at the opera recently?" Yeah, he starts like acting really fucking weird, which was like super hilarious. Um, no, what else does he say? He says, "No, no." Well, he says because Rob is like, "Oh yeah, what is, it, what is this guy been? What have you been smoking?" And he says all my favorite lines in Monk, which, I'm smoking the truth, man! <laughs> yeah, and like a really stupid-ass voice. Uh, that made me laugh audibly, so... Yeah, that's definitely my, this is definitely my favorite scene in the episode. Uh, and everybody's like, what is this, good cop, crazy cop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, it, <clears throat> it was just really nice to see uh, Shalhoub's brother. But aside from that, um, not a lot to learn except, what, except... Uh, what, what did Monk see? Well, he asked him to roll up one of his sleeves, and he rolls it up, and there's a lightning bolt tattoo. Um, you know, and uh, this reminds me. It's not because yeah. it's not because Monk's no, no, the no. world's greatest detective. Why, it's because the, the sleeves are uneven. Now, in Monk's defense, I actually when I rewatched it this time, I the way that Rob reacted to being told to roll up his sleeve, I took that. This might be me just projecting, but I almost thought that, like, he intentionally didn't roll up that sleeve that far because he didn't want to show that tattoo during the interrogation, if that makes sense. Ooh, okay. Like, I, I don't know if that's true, but I feel like that would make sense, like, because he doesn't want to, you know... Because he wants to make it seem like he's not really involved anymore. Um, and, like, he's, like, he wants to be, like, pretend he doesn't have that tattoo anymore, a la Professor Severus Snape when uh, Karkaroff or whatever in Harry Potter uh, in the Goblet of Fire is, like, shows him, like, we both have these Death Eater tattoos. You got the audience yeah. knows what I'm talking about. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking the, about. I, I'm only thinking about Barty Crouch Jr. It was Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only. The one. thing is, and, and me and uh, Michael Springthor, good friend of mine who won't be a guest because he's never watched Monk, talk all the time about this. The Barty Crouch Jr. tell where he licks his mouth is too obvious. Uh-huh. Like, it's too obvious. Like, no one, yeah. no functioning member of society actually has a tick that obvious. <laughs> no, that's very true. Um, I, Man, it's so crazy to watch, like, all these Harry Potter movies now, like, after years of watching, like, British anything, mm-hmm. and seeing just how fucking stacked these casts are. It is crazy. It's Aiden un- Tennant it's is in it for, he plays Barry Crouch Jr. for, like, two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. But shouts, yeah. And, and of course, also another thing, too. Barty Crouch Sr., Barty Crouch, incredibly British name. For some reason, some random French guy plays him. Like, they, they couldn't get one English actor to play that role? Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, also, Michael Gambon is not a good Dumbledore. Anyway, anyway. Um, Same. Yeah, Jer- Richard Harris is, I mean, sucks that he died, because he's fucking great. Um, anyway, uh, Monk notices on the tattoo that it's three jags, because it's for, like, resist something and then reform i don't remember what they are yeah yeah the three r's it's three tenants yeah the three r's writing reading arithmetic um excuse me reading writing arithmetic uh so monk pulls star my side is like this wasn't about politics because clearly if someone is actually a member of the lightning brigade because the, the the spray paint at the scene only has two jags so if someone actually was a member of the lightning brigade they would know that the three jags were important and so clearly was just someone pretending to be a Lightning Brigade member. 
yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess I was trying to poke holes in the earlier thing where, like, why the hell would someone, like, post, um, you know, that the graffiti there? Like, that just seemed, like, to be way too over the top. Well, exactly, because like, they wanted to think be. that it's Lightning Brigade. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and but, also, you have to keep in mind, these aren't criminals. When we finally find who these people are, they're not, yeah. like... I think that, that I think that the thing I really hate about IMDb goofs sections is that so many times things are described as goofs or like mistakes when it really is just that characters aren't acting correctly or are thinking clearly and like making mistakes. Like, yeah, characters aren't like especially criminals like make big mistakes. Like, you know, I I, I anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, the, the granny's getting released from the hospital. She's fine, you know. Um, she tells Julie. To open up that bakery or whatever, yada yada yada, uh, and then Sharona meets her. The granny mentions how she would have stabbed the people in their particulars, which is your favorite thing. I mean, your other oh, favorite thing. I mean, I don't know why you're saying that as if derisively. I think it's pretty funny to hear a woman say that an old lady say that she stabbed someone in the particulars. Um, but anyway, uh, they Sharona basically pulls Julie aside and is like, "You're serious about like don't fuck around with Mister Monk like and reinstated." You know, like, you can do it, right? And she's like, yeah, 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 And then... Uh, yeah, yeah, but I just think it's, like, really nice. Um, I just think it's really nice that, like, you know, Sharona goes to check in on, like, the agreement because she knows that, like, this means a lot to Monk. Exactly. So, you know, that kind of touched me in a way. Mm-hmm. And then a TV crews come up to Julian and are like, it was Lightning Brigade, right, right, right? And he's like, she's like, no, Mr. Monk, Adrian Monk is going to investigate this. Um, he doesn't think it was a Lightning Brigade, yada, yada, yada. Which, of right. course, put the target on Monk's back uh, for later. Yes. And Julie sets up a meeting with Sharona Monk at the law school library that night. Uh, and we meet the study group that she's in. And this is a scene that this is definitely feels like a scene that reminds you that Monk was written by comedy writers, not drama writers. Because there's just a lot of bits going on. Uh, another Monk bingo. Uh, Jake talking about writers. I mean, that's we're talking we're talking about a television show. Like there are really three main groups that make any sort of visual art: uh, writers, directors, and actors. So the fact I'm talking about one of the three should not be a bingo thing. But if it must be, then okay, bingo. Um, yeah. No, it's like no, it's whenever you say. Um, if I mention that there yeah, are comedy a- writers, yes, that is a thing I mention a lot. But it is, a, okay, I think yeah, it's yeah. a pretty important thing. Honestly, I, I don't think that that's too much. Um, cause am I, am I wrong in that this scene is definitely just, most of this is just jokes. It's very little plot involved. Yes. Fair enough. You're right. Uh, and so you learn that the, her study group is as dumb as she is, basically is the main thing you learn. Yeah. Like one guy is studying for his, uh, bar exam in Peru because it's uh, true or false only. And Monk points out, well, won't you only be able to practice law in Peru? Which he seems shocked by. <laughs> um, Which is funny. It's insane. It's unrealistic, but it's funny. <laughs> Yes, um, and then I forgot what the issue was with the other girl. No, it, no, is that they they the cases they've done they've done two pro bono death penalty cases, and they list the names. And Monk was like, both of those people died. And then the one girl says like, yeah, we that's when we learned that we have to factor in when it, when we ask for a state execution, we have to factor in daylight saving time. <laughs> yeah, which is yes. also like, how would that work? Also, how would you make that mistake twice? Right. Um, I really hope that this person was like guilty as sin oh i mean of course um 
Yeah, because obviously that would be... Because uh, uh, I could see it going the opposite way, where this person was innocent as shit, and, you know, this person died for no reason. Now, which is a pretty yes. dark joke. It, it is, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think in a different show, that would be a fine joke to make. But Monk is definitely more wholesome than uh, making that type of joke. But anyway, what what he Monk learns is that the loophole is that yeah. Monk can get reinstated if he can prove... And it's very easy to prove that he was fired because of a disability, which is his obsessive compulsive disorder. And yeah. that's very hard for Monk to swallow because he doesn't want to admit he's disabled. Which, like, I'll be honest with you, I have, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. When I apply for jobs, I don't list that under the ADA thing because I don't think it doesn't impede my work. What I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, no, is, it doesn't. What? Yeah, I can tell it. Doesn't yeah, exactly. Do. But. So, me knowing that, I can tell you for sure, it definitely impedes Monk's work, and he definitely is disabled. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, no, it's really sad. And, like, he asked, like, he asked himself and, like, you know, to the camera, mm-hmm. I guess, in some way, like, am I uh, disabled? Mm-hmm. Which, you know what, Monk? You are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Monk gets a note from, like, a librarian. And it says, don't trust them. Meet me on the third floor. Because you see someone, like, watching over him, too. Like, just looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, a weird scene. Looking in the shadows. And so Monk goes up to the third floor with Sharona. And uh, wouldn't you know it, there is a book that's slightly out of place, uh, like, sticking out. And so Monk needs to climb onto one of those ladders and fix it. And someone walks in. And pushes down the bookcases, hoping to crush Monk to death. And then we cut to a commercial. Oh my god, did Monk die? Is the show over? Answer the question. Is the show over? Did Monk die in the scene? No, of course not. Um, he might die by the amount of dust he had all over himself, but like, nah, he's there. He's, he's alright. Yes, he's hanging from the, like, uh, fire extinguisher. The pipes? Like, the, pol- the pipes, yeah. Um, so, great job, Monk. Uh, there's, I, I really I like the joke where uh, Shona's like, Oh, Adrian, hold on. And he's like, I wasn't going to do that. Let then, me write it down. Yeah, let me write it down so I don't forget. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, then we cut to... We actually don't even see Monk get down, which is kind of weird. But we cut to Monk is getting pop quizzed on the test. Because he needs, he needs to take a 30-question test in order to be reinstated. About just like laws and stuff. And Monk yep. is acing it. He knows every answer when Sharona questions him. It's too easy for him, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. In theory. Exactly. And so and Monk is telling Julie, like, the fact that Monk was almost killed, that just means someone's getting nervous, you know what I mean? And that they got a... They got a really batten down the hatches and really, you know, try to figure out what's going on. And then there's a scene I like a lot where Monk pulls out a map to try to figure out where they took the granny. And there are a couple clues that come up. First is, she smelled fresh bread. And what does that mean? Um, I mean, it clearly means that they were, like, by some sort of bakery. They drove by a bakery. Then they stopped for three or four minutes. I mean, I'm just impressed. First of all, I'm just impressed that, like, she remembered as many details as she did. But uh, the clue where they wait three or four minutes is, like, clearly there was some sort of drawbridge or something. Yes. Which wouldn't have been my first thought at all. Like, I didn't even know San Francisco had, like, a ton of drawbridges, but all right, yeah. I guess. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and then 
when they picked her up and dragged her into the house, it was raining, which is strange because it wasn't raining anywhere in San Francisco that day. Log that in the back of your head. And it also apparently smelled like cough drops, which means that eucalyptus. Exactly. I mean, there's several, you know, cough drops smells or scents, but okay, we'll go with it. You know, I think that's fair. It reminded me a lot of, uh, have you ever seen the 2015 film Room? Uh, yeah, of course I have. Uh, the bit where Jacob Tremblay is like, two lifts, two lifts, and three stops, or whatever, to the cop. You know what I'm talking about? When he's like just saying that over and over again, and then the cop works, uses her, like, works back. Well, first of all, shout out to that cop. That's hard. Like, I don't know how she did that, but that's what it reminded me of. Um, except instead of saying, like, stops and whatever, uh, she used actual words. Um, yeah. Uh, also, side note about Room Will H. Macy is a dick in that movie. You really can go fuck himself. I don't Because he's, he's her dad, and he refuses uh. to, like, talk to or acknowledge Jacob Tremblay because he, her father, I mean, his father is Brie Larson's rapist, and it's like, how, yeah, I get that it sucks, but, like, don't be a, like, oh, God, he's so horrible. Um, but anyway, uh, it's a good performance, obviously, because I think you're supposed to feel that way about him, but, man, I just have so much animosity towards that character. Um, so, Shrona and Monk recreate the route and they end up on a street um where they believe it is and they smell the eucalyptus and then monk thinks he found the house because he sees sprinklers go off and is like that's what the rain was oh because because she mentions uh, also the old lady mentions that when they get to the place that it was 8 p.m oh right 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 right. all right so they get there at 8 p.m and the sprinklers go off but it turns which out which was super fucking bright for 8 p.m. My God, the yeah. sun was still out. Yeah, uh, no, but it, it, you don't know what time, daylight saving time it could have been. It could have been uh, daylight. Uh, what is it? Equinox. Uh, standard. No, it could have been standard time. I mean, I don't know what things are on like on the West Coast, but at 8 p.m. during uh, the fall on the East Coast, it's definitely fully bright out. At 8 p.m. in the oh, fall. Oh, 8 p.m. No. 8, 8 a.m. Sorry, 8 a.m. Was it 8 a.m. or 8 p.m.? It was p.m. Oh, it was. Oh, okay. In that case, that's weird. Anyway. Yeah. And now, actually, where I live, where, not where I live, where my family lives in Florida, it stays light that late in, like, June and stuff, but that's just because we're towards the western edge of the eastern uh, time zone. Anyway. Yeah. So, the sprinklers go off, and, um, uh, there's several so different houses. So, that explains. Houses. Yeah, but the thing is, the, but that explains what the rain was, yes. There's several different houses, though, that have sprinklers, so that's not as open and shut a clue as they thought. But, Monk spots something in the trash. Or does he spot in the trash? Spots a pizza box. And we all know the old lady. Yeah, I don't even remember her name was either. Doesn't but we matter. all know that old lady had plenty of pizza that night. Mm-hmm. So, Sharona, because uh, Monk's like, takes out a, a camera and is like, I gotta take a photo of her. And Sharona's like, are we just gonna wait until they come out? And so Sharona gets out of the car and she uh, shakes the, the kidnapper's car. It makes the alarm go off. So then they come outside mm-hmm. and are like, you know, German engineering my ass. And Monk gets a bunch of good photos of them. Yep. Um, and, you know, uh, did, was this the first time we saw them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the man, the man and woman come out. Monk gets some photos. Um, and I, where do they cut to next? Because that's basically it, We right? cut to then him, he shows the granny the photos. And um, it... Uh, they recognize the granny recognizes them because they came uh, to ask about the missing cat because uh, Julie had put up flyers from the missing cat all over town, um, 
and uh, they inquired about it, but it wasn't their cat. Right. And then we cut to uh, the scene that I think really hurts this episode because I think it's just it's tedious and it's you know one of the scenes we don't like. And if you like guys like these scenes about Monk, I I agree to disagree. It's fine. Like I can see, I just don't I don't watch Monk for these scenes. Uh, but where Monk is taking right. his test. And, um, right, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks, but also, um, I'm sorry, did you mention the fact that, like, the couple that we met are, like, antique dealers? Oh, like, yes, the they're ones? antique dealers, right, 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 right. They're antique dealers, yeah. that's important. Um, so Monk's yes. taking his test. And, um, quick note, I since I watch on Amazon, I have the x-ray thing. The guy who's administering the test is credited as uh, Sergeant Lane, but his badge says Sergeant Graham. I don't know why, weird stuff. Um, okay. In any event, um... So Monk, first, he needs Sergeant Lane or Graham to remove one of the two pencils that is on his desk because he can't decide. Already a red flag. Mm-hmm. Then he sharpens his pencil, and he doesn't know what to do with the pencil sharpener that has, like, shavings in it. Right. And so he throws those shavings out. Then he starts filling out the Scantron. Mm-hmm. But he goes, and, he, uh, of he goes a little bit yeah, outside of the line. He goes over the line. Yeah. yeah, he goes outside the line, so he starts erasing it. You, it's a shitty eraser, so every eraser makes a, a mark that he then proceeds to try to erase. And so on and so forth. But it just goes on for such a long time. And it's and it's just like him and like you know his proctor cop watching him. And it's just like a really tough scene. Um, not funny at all. No. Also, the fact that he has this much trouble with pencils is, once again evidence that he should not be reinstated he has no business being reinstated a pencil can stop him i wonder like why they didn't just let him use a mechanical pencil that is a good point now question with mechanical pencils what was your preferred lead size uh 0.5 really i was 0.9 you and i cannot be different on this i, I love the thick ones 0.9 is like th- oh okay okay I mean, uh, I no, also then like seven. Then, then point seven is because I, I was actually I was thinking the opposite. I thought that point seven was the thinner one, but that actually makes no. Sense. The thinnest is point five. Point nine. Okay, no, I, I, obviously, most of the ones I use are point seven because the most common. But I had like a really fancy one that was point nine, and man, I love that shit. <sighs> love a good mechanical pencil. Um, uh, also, the, I, I stopped. I stopped doing math as soon as I could, so I didn't have enough experience. Uh, same here. Mechanical. You're looking at a guy who, because he went to art school, had took count them. A combined zero math and science classes in college. Zero. One of the great achievements of my life. Well, because you, you must have tested out in high school. Uh, well, no. I'm not Well, math, no. Because you just didn't need, in my art school, you just didn't need to take any math. And I think same thing with science. Yeah, you didn't need to take any science in my art school. So, okay. uh, I mean, I had a lot of AP credits, too, for, like, history and stuff uh, and English. So, I, uh, yeah. But you know, I, I mean, this is not, this is a surprise to no one. Of course, I was you know incredibly good at academics uh, because you know you only can be good at so many different things, and I was very good at academics, which is why I'm not good at almost everything else that's relevant to life. Um, anyway, uh, you know how it is. Go on. Yeah, so I'm gonna vamp because Andre is walking away to do. I think he's getting the door for someone. Um, uh, or did, okay, so did someone knock on the door? He looked outside. No one knocked on the door. He's coming back. No, I have a, I have a, I have an Amazon delivery that's supposed to happen. Oh. Like Amazon Fresh. Okay, no worries. Um, so uh, so after this, Monk apparently locks himself in Stoudemire's office because he's so upset. Um, mm. which is you know a bit overdramatic. Um, yeah. And Stoudemire, when he's trying to talk to him, get him out, 
he says something which I think is true, which is that Monk. I don't think that Monk necessarily. I think that Monk that some at the end of his point is not true, but that Monk subconsciously failed on purpose because he doesn't want to get back in on a technicality where he has to admit that he has a disability. Yeah, no, he nailed it. Uh, best piece of detective work all year for our friend Leland Sotomayor, mm-hmm. but nails it, I think. Yeah, and so Monk locks the door. Stalmar gets a key, opens it up, but he can't open it because Stalmar's desk chair is locking, blocking the way. And Stalmar now is pissed. Why is he pissed? Because apparently it's some sort of special chair that has used to belong to his dad, and like obviously there's some sort of sentimental value. Why we never heard about it before, obviously we know, but. So yeah, he's pissed off. He's like, if you mess up that chair, I will kill, like, basically, I'll kill you, you know, whatever. And that gets Monk thinking, like, okay, I, I, he, he solved, solved the crime, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, and so, because Monk is like, they said, be careful when they were grabbing the granny, but they weren't talking about her. They are talking about the chair. So they go to the, the family, the, 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 the couple's name, the Maloney's. I didn't get their first names. I don't particularly care. They bring Rachel Dratch over. She immediately recognizes the chair. But they apparently have, like, a receipt from a guy in Baton Rouge who had it. Because uh, what they learned is that it was a chair that Thomas Jefferson built. And apparently, oh, allegedly, he wrote the Declaration of Independence sitting in it. And it could be worth a cool $2 million. Um, and so, uh, yeah, what? Uh, um, there's really no here's what happened here, so I'll give you a break for yeah. this episode. Um, yeah. But basically, they're like... They, they come basically come to an impasse where it's like if unless Julie can prove that they owned that chair beforehand, there's nothing that Stoudemire can do. Um, but when they leave the house, Monk notices something about Randall. What? What? Oh yeah, uh, he he notices that he's not sneezing, which is strange because of course the Maloney's only went to uh, Julie's grandma's place because they're missing their cat, right? I mean that's that's what we were that's the information we're working. But what if they of. didn't have any cat at all? Why would they have known to go to that house in the first place? What might have they seen? They saw this rare Thomas Jefferson chair. Where did they see it though? No, they didn't see it when they got to their house. Oh yeah, no, they saw it on the poster for the missing exactly, cat. Exactly, because the cat was on the chair. Right, which is like, dude, that's the most like generic old looking. Fucking no, but the thing is, if like... you look at the, the the detail they point out is that um, in the back of it there is a silhouette of Monticello, that unlike the on the top of it. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, that's the detail that they notice because you got me. Yeah. Um, and so they see the cats in that chair, and it's like, well, that's proof that they own that chair. They go back inside, and uh, you know, and that's it. Yep, that's they 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 solve the case, and as they go back inside, because Julie knows now that. Uh, that's worth a lot of money. She says that she calls her grandma, and what does she say to her? Uh, she says, yeah, I'm going to open up that bakery, and we could do whatever the hell we want because we just came up on some cash. Shots Which, of, yeah. apparently, like, the, the grandma had got it, like, at a thrift... Flea like, market some sort 20 of, like, years ago. Flea- yeah, which, like, what a fucking come up. My God. I mean, yeah, I, you know, good for her. I was like, antique rogue show. Um... A show I've never watched, but I understand people like a lot. If you like Antique Drogue Show, write into the show and let us know. Um, I only said that just because I realized we're getting towards the end of the episode, and I haven't asked anyone, any group of people to yeah. write into the show. And then we have yeah. the end bit where Monk goes into his closet, and he removes his police uniform, and then what happens? Uh, yeah, he removes it, and then Sharona hangs it back up. 
keeping the flame alive. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. That's the episode. So what would you give this episode out of 10? I gave it a 7. I gave it a 6.5. The rare, I gave Ooh. an episode less than you. But yeah, I think that this yeah. episode just is missing a lot of elements that are good. Like, I don't want to say there's no murder in it, because like, I don't want to pretend I like murder. But in in regards to crime television shows, I do feel that way. Like, it just the stakes just don't feel as high when a murder is not involved. No, absolutely. It definitely <clears throat> it brings it down a lot. Um, you know, every the, I mean, the show started with a murder. It's there isn't a lot of precedent for like you know kidnapping cases, and most of the time they're not really that you know compelling unless there's like some really crazy shit going yeah. on, which they obviously aren't gonna do here. Um, but aside from that, you know, like um, again, it's just a run of the mill episode. It's you know they're running towards the end of season two and. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have some better ones coming up soon. Yes, it's uh, it's definitely you know it's fine. It's there's some funny bits. Like I said, I like the interrogation scene a lot, um, but I think that like the whole reinstatement thing just doesn't work um, that well. Uh, but anyway, uh, please follow the show at Strictly Monken. Follow Andre. Andre, where can we find you? At Andre Barrera on Twitter. And you can follow <clears> me <throat> at the G Christie. Make sure you share the show with uh, people, places, things. Um, you know, because if you don't know any people, you can just tell your uh, your refrigerator about the show, and maybe your refrigerator will subscribe. So, but if you don't do that, yeah, no, yeah, yeah no. But we, uh, you know, we took a little break. It was nice. Um, it kind of, you know, got the juices flowing again. I don't know. I don't know about you, but it was nice to take a like, yeah. It was week. it was nice to get back into the monkin. Um, it will be even nicer yeah. though, is if you guys join us later this week, as we cover Mister Monk and the Captain's Wife. Aye, aye, let's get monkey.